Amen. It's already kind of a different day here, isn't it? It's so good to have uh, Blair back from tour and, and leading us this morning. And, uh, and it turned out to be kind of a trio, which um, sometimes when you come in, you probably just assume every exact thing was planned, or maybe you don't think any of it was planned, and we just show up Sunday and just guess. But uh, both of those things could be true. No, they're not. But, uh, but I think uh, what a great day to kind of shift gears a little bit. But just in, in light of Father's Day, happy Father's Day to all the, all the dads, all the granddads, and, and so on in here. Um, is there anyone in here that's a great-grandfather? Just wondering if, if we caught someone today in that category. Maybe, yeah? Oh, that's so awesome. That's awesome. Really cool, Dave. Um, yeah, it's, it's Father's Day, it's Grandfather's Day, but it's Dad Joke Sunday. So we're going to get warmed up here. And the photo wall that, uh, that Kenzie was mentioning that Nikki put together, it's awesome. You need to go. And I, I guess there's even a setup so like a dad could hold one thing, like the dad joke champion, but then like a daughter or son could be like the survivor of the dad joke, you know? So you can uh, do with it what you will. But I thought to warm things up, we will get into some serious things. We will have time for prayer and everything. But Let's, let's just see if we, can, if we can do this together. So some of them are, are groaners. Some of them uh, you might have to think about. Maybe you won't. Uh, some of them you probably have written and told someone. And so uh, anyway, we're going to start with a few dad jokes. And I think Brad Perry, who's at the back, he's, he's going to give me the thumbs up or down or sideways. Like, uh, we're not really sure about this one. So I have a few for, for us to, to get warmed up. So are you ready to participate? Yes. All right, good. This is the crowd. If there was ever a crowd to participate, it's you guys. So thank you so much. And online, fill, fill in. I'll try to give like maybe a, a brief moment before I, I fill in the blank, but it might be hard for me to, to do. And so here's, here's number one. How do sea turtles wash their shell? Tide. <laughs> oh, you get it. Okay. Uh, who does the pharaoh talk to when he's sad? His mummy. <laughs> Thumb, thumbs up in the back. Here's one that's quasi-biblical, but it's like, it's, it's just, you know, use your imagination here. What kind of cell phone would Delilah use? A Samson. Who said it? Yes, awesome. Not Samsung, but you know, anyway. All right, all right, all right. Oh, that's some groaners. Where do sheep like to get their hair cut? The barber shop. I know, I know, I know. They're going downhill, that's the point. That's what dad jokes do. We set a bar and we lowered it. Um, where did the ocean... What did the ocean say to the beach? Nothing, it just waved. <laughs> There's less participation as we go. What is a giraffe's favorite fruit? Nectarines. I think I told Nikki that. Here's one I heard from Nikki this week. Have you heard the rumor about butter? I'm not going to spread it. And another one I heard from Nikki. What did the buffalo, buffalo say to his son when he left for college? Bye, son. Bye, son. 
If you can picture, bye, buddy, it's kind of like that, but, but better. <laughs> or worse, depending on whatever. Here's a, just a couple final really dumb ones. Um, I'm kind of tearing up over how dumb they are, but... I asked my dog, what's two minus two? He said nothing. (laughs) And finally, I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) It's called an icebreaker for a reason. But here we are, and it's Father's Day. Uh, Now, Father's Day, I I, I shouldn't have to say this, but obviously it's going to be a fun day here. It's a good day for us, and we're going to barbecue later, and so uh, we invite you back. You don't have to come. Don't feel obligated, but I know you're at the earlier of two services, but we would love to have you come back after the 11 a.m., um, even if it's not to have you know, some, some uh, hot dogs and hamburgers and, and whatever else, but, but for the fellowship, and we're, we're set up across the hall in the fellowship hall, so if it is raining by, by then, we're still going to cook, we're still going to have lots of food, but we would love to have you back. And I know Father's Day can have kind of mixed feelings, right? Uh, for me, 10 years ago was the last grandfather's day that I got to have with Papa. And so he was the one that I always celebrated uh, Father's Day with. But I have so many great memories. And so when I think about Father's Day, it's, it's you know, um, I'm, I'm sad that I don't get to participate in the same way as some of you. And I, and I bet many of you understand what that is like. But for me, uh, Father's Day was barbecues at the lake. You know, we would head to Scotch Lake, and uh, someone, usually one of my uncles, uh, they'd be getting the patties ready and throwing them on. Probably a charcoal barbecue at the time. Is anyone still adventurous enough to take the time with charcoal? Yeah, it's, it smells really good. I always enjoy it. Anyway, we would do that. And sometimes someone would even think, like, you know, uh, any of you out there not feel like you ever have enough food for, for a get-together, and so you, you get extra and so someone would often swing by to get a bucket of fried chicken because, I mean, what goes better than uh, that with a, with a barbecue, right? And so anyway, someone might want to do that and come back to 11. So you, you're, you're free to do that if you want to. But, but for us, even though it wasn't my dad, it was still Father's Day. So I still, like, I'm sure as an early age, I probably made my own card and then I would sign a card or something. But usually we would go in on gifts together. And I know now my wife goes in with her sister on a gift for for her dad, and so we get to celebrate sort of father-in-law's day too, or grandfather's day, or great-grandfather's day. Um, but there, there can also be hard memories too, but for me, I just wanted to share a, a few quick ones with, with my grandfather, whether it was Father's Day or, or not, but I think about at the lake. So if you can picture me like uh, 100 pounds ago or so, or maybe a little bit more, maybe 120 pounds ago. Okay, okay. Let's, I know the camera adds at least 10, but, uh, but, but pretend that, you know, one time I was, I was like 10 years old. Well, we had a paddle boat, which was probably the, the coolest thing uh, at the lake. I loved to use it, and, and once I was allowed, and, you know, I had a... Um, uh, life, life jacket that, that worked well for me at the time. Uh, they would even let me take it on my own. It wasn't a big lake or anything, but I would get to do that. But my favorite times, and I'm sure there's a picture, and I wish I had it right now, but if you could picture, and, and, and this isn't to make fun of my grandfather at the time, but, but probably right after he retired, he was probably his heaviest. Uh, he didn't say no to any dessert, nor, nor do I, but I learned it from him. But, uh, but I would get into the paddle boat, at, and then he would get into the paddle boat. And so imagine a paddle boat, right? You've sat in these, right? 
Okay, so imagine like it's, it's like even, and then imagine that he sat in it, and it kind of went like this, and so I was just like, how am I going to do this? Like I, there wasn't any way for me, it's like a teeter-totter, there was no way for me to kind of counteract it. So down the river we went together, but to me that's an awesome memory. One time, it's more of a winter memory, uh, we didn't live that far from York Arena, but uh, how many people played hockey? I, I can see a hockey player right in, in the center here, and uh, so my grandfather, if my mom couldn't take me, was the one to drive me with my stinky gear to the York Arena or wherever. But I remember it was the first time he had a vehicle that um, uh, basically it had like the remote uh, lockers and, and things like that. And, and I guess he must have left the car running and I got out to get my gear out. Do you see where this is going? And what happened was I got my gear out and I'm ready to go in like the side door at the York Arena. And he got out and the door locked behind him, and he, the key was in the car, and it was locked, and it was running, and he wasn't happy. <laughs> and so, you know, I had, like, usually, like, in an ideal world, I'd give myself a half an hour, especially as a goalie, to get everything ready. Uh, and I still usually got ready before some of my teammates. But, uh, but here, here I had maybe less than a half an hour, and I ran home <laughs> to get the spare key and came back because he was fuming. But... Good memory, nonetheless, it still stood out to me, and he never brought it up again, and so I don't think he was that mad, but he was in the, at the moment. Uh, but any chance that we got, especially it, when I moved back home from Sussex, and uh, we'd get some opportunity to do something, someone's birthday or, or anything, he would always kind of sneak in, well, do you think maybe we could order pizza? Because to him, that was like the biggest treat. And so uh, t- sometimes when I have, even if it's Greco, like he just loved uh, pizza and garlic fingers and things like that. So that wasn't a Father's Day thing. That was just any, any opportunity, any excuse to do that. Uh, but when I was younger, I didn't love watching baseball. Now that I'm a little older, the last 10 years, I really got into it because um, basically, like I remembered, uh, baseball was the thing that just took like all afternoon or all evening. And I'm like, come on, I want to be doing something. But the older I got, the more I appreciated the time just sitting next to my grandfather or watching a Western or just talking about anything that was going on. Uh, but so as we're kind of thinking about the father's heart and, and being in the father's presence, it's, it's kind of similar to those moments that we appreciate sitting next to any loved one, isn't it? It's, it's kind of the thing where, uh, sure, we like to be doing things, but sometimes our best memories are just being with the person. Am I right? And so that's kind of the point uh, as we're going into today is, is kind of the, the presence, and we'll have a, a moment to sit in his presence today as well. So we're in this three-week series, and it's, uh, it's called The Father's Heart. And some might think that it's about the, the story of the prodigal son, but that's kind of an incomplete story. We started it last week, uh, and, and so we're going from the younger son to a little bit more about the father today, which is timely with Father's Day. And then next week is still going to be a really important one for us, hopefully a challenging one to those of us that have been in the church a little bit longer because it's about the older son. But, but both are important, and the father has a heart for both. And so just to quickly recap some of the highlights from last week, So last week, as we were looking into the younger son and what was going on there, the younger son, he wanted his share of his father's estate as though the father was already dead. 
So that's the trick is that it was super insulting and the, the listeners and, and then the readers would have been thinking like, this isn't right. Like, you know, this guy's a jerk from, from the get-go. Uh, he ran away from home, he ran out of money, and then he ran into famine. That's the situation. He wasted all of his money and then came to his senses while he was starving. And sometimes, this is the big point of, of that early part of the story, is that sometimes we have to learn things the hard way through failure. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to do that. But wouldn't it be great if we had someone else go first so we didn't have to learn that the hard way? But the father, he received him back and that taught us that you don't have to clean up before you come home. Yes, there is a dress code later, but to, to just come home, the father's the one that's gonna take care of your dress code. And the father, he, he gave the finest, he actually called for the finest robe, which we believe commentators would say that it's probably the father's own. That would have been the best. And so the father's saying, wear mine, basically. You're, you're my son. And so but if you think about it, the son, he had this speech ready for his dad. He came back, and he wanted to be taken on just as a hired servant. Remember, he's the son, and he took advantage of, of being a son to get even a portion. He was the younger, so he would have got a third of the estate, and his older brother would have got two-thirds. But remember, then in a distant land, he was hired out. He had to be because he was starving, and he ran out of money, so he, he became a hired servant for this other farmer. But then he was below the pigs, which would have been unclean to his people and those listeners at the time. And he thought that even their food would have been good enough for him. And so he feels like below this. But if I could just go up one more rung, if I could just get back to my father as a hired servant, which is how he kind of treated them in the first place, that even his hired servants had food enough to spare, which we're learning is he had grace to spare. But the father takes him back as a son not as a hired servant. That is probably the, the most radical thing that we experience here because the father had grace to spare. And the son, though, he thought of his, his father much like a local uh, farmer and he persuaded him to take him back. It was, the situation was far worse than when the older brother's trying to point out that he squandered all this money. What the father is trying to communicate is that the son was dead. That's the problem. The son was dead, and apart from the father, were dead and lost. But with him, were returned to life. And there's joy when even one person repents and returns, when a son or daughter returns to life. The son was restored to life and to family and to community. And so when they celebrated this feast of that fattened calf, this would have been something special for the moment. We're not sure exactly how large this would have been, but remember, they didn't have supersized portions probably back then, and so it would have been enough for the whole, if it was a village, probably the whole village could have participated and celebrated the return. And so just to wrap up the, the recap of last week, that the point is that the Father's heart is all about seeking and finding and restoring the lost. That's a good place to start, isn't it? So we believe that God is Father, and if you think about the very beginning of the Apostles' Creed, what does it say? It says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth. And so even earlier, uh, it's not just the early church that, that thought of God as Father, but, but what we're going to see is that Jesus is the one that helps us to actually come to the Lord, come to God himself as Father. Not just as Jesus' Father, but we ourselves can say, our Father who's in heaven, right? And so this is kind of cool. This was, this was a, a bit of a shift to the early uh, believers. <clears throat> for, the, for us Wesleyans, this is what we believe about the Father, that he's the source of all that exists. 
whether in matter or spirit. So think about that, the things we can see or the things uh, we can't. He's, he's actually the source of all. With the Son and the Holy Spirit, he made man, male and female, in his image. And by intention, he relates to people as father. And so this is what Jesus has communicated to us, that he wants to relate to us. And he wants us to relate to him as father. Thereby forever declaring his good will toward them in love. He both seeks and receives penitent sinners. Isn't that good? And so that's kind of the point of last week, and that's what we, what we believe as Wesleyans. You know, 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, there is one God, the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. There is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. But it's, it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the one that helps us understand the Father. So let's look at our text and remember we have these two verses. So even if you're coming in to, to week two and it's week one to you, uh, these first two verses give us context on what's going on. And so in the first two verses of, of, of Luke 15, so the whole chapter is, is kind of our context over three weeks, but the first two verses give us context for the, the few stories that Jesus shares. It starts this way, that tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. So that's the context, is that Jesus, wherever he is, there's people that are considered notorious sinners and, and tax collectors, like the, the low people compared to those who believe, those who know the law, those who, who, who think they know God. These people crowded around Jesus because they, they probably not just liked his teaching, but probably felt his grace and his compassion. And so uh, they, they kind of would swarm around him. But this bothered this other group of people, thinking that by eating with these people, it's making it okay and there's been different times that you've probably seen where it's like, well, surely he would know what kind of person this is, right? This is an unclean, this is, this is a bad person. Is he saying that sin's okay? And that's not really what's going on, but he's wanting to receive them. And the whole part of, uh, of this, this series is that the Father's heart is to receive back people um, who, who need him the most, you know? Who is it that needs a doctor? Is it healthy people? No, it's the sick, and this is what Jesus is trying to communicate. He's, he's meant to restore people to the Father, but they don't understand it. So that's the context, is that there's, on one hand, these, these notorious sinners, right? And uh, on the other hand, there's these uh, religious leaders, these Pharisees, and they, they seem to know it all. And so it, it's, it's not just that there's bad and that there's good, but what we're learning from this story is that there's lost and there's found, that there's dead and that there's alive, those that return to life. When the son returned home, the father said he returned to life. And so that's kind of the context here. And so that's, that's it. He, he begins the first story. And remember, we are learning, he starts by saying that there were 100 sheep and one goes missing, you know. And then the next thing is that there, there were 10 coins and then one goes missing. But then finally, that there's this man who had two sons and one leaves, even intentionally. So there, there's kind of, it, it, it kind of, it seems like, well, it's, it's going smaller. Well, there's actually more worth as it, as it goes in some ways. I was thinking this week about the story of, of the shepherd and the sheep. 
one of the reasons he's trying to communicate it this way is that, is that the people who were judging those who came to Jesus and kind of judging Jesus by even receiving them for a meal, the context here, he's trying to say, which one of you wouldn't go after that one sheep? And so the, the idea, what commentators say, what's not necessarily in the story but might have made sense to someone who's hearing it for the first time, is that the shepherd isn't just leaving the others to wander. They're probably in like a, a sheep pen. They're probably, there's probably a, a gate closed. And so he's going after the one, right? He's, he, the others aren't in, in critical danger at that moment, but he's going after the one. And what does he do? He doesn't take his staff and hit, hit the, the, the dumb sheep for, for, for you know, being a sheep and, and wandering off. No, and he doesn't hook it either, but he puts it on his shoulder. So I, I have kind of a funny thing to share, and, and it doesn't weigh the same amount, but maybe I've shared this with someone before. A couple years ago, our dog, Bruce, he needed surgery. And it was an expensive surgery, but he was a young pup and, and, and he needed it and I didn't, I didn't want to see him suffer anymore. So he got a surgery. And, it, and it, you know, there, there's a couple different types of surgeries that you can have. There, there's like the, the minor one that all pets should have, you know, in their first year or so, unless you're breeding them. And that, that's not so bad, but I'd been there before. But this one was a little more substantial, so I was, I was babying him a little bit more. And so maybe I heard something one way. Have you ever gone somewhere without your spouse and, and you, you didn't have the interpreter to, to, like, actually hear what was actually being said? No? Okay, it's just me. So I was at the vet, and I'm sure that I heard them say one thing, and so I acted, and you'll see what I mean by this. So you know when they get, get the, the cone head? You know, it, it's, it's sad and hilarious at the same time. So I bring the dog home, and he's kind of doped up, you know, and he doesn't seem like himself. And I'm, I'm carrying him because he had an incision in his belly, and I didn't want anything to happen to my buddy. You know, I had spent a lot on you. Come on. No, it wasn't just about that. But... <laughs> We're in a townhouse that's like three levels, so it's, it stairs to get in, it stairs to get to the main level, and then it stairs to get up, up to, the, to the bedroom, and, and of course he sleeps in the bedroom, of course he does. Anyway, so I get him out of, out of the truck, and I carry him carefully, and I set him down, you know, and then uh, when it's time to get inside, well, I carry him up, and he was 75 pounds or so at the time, so it wasn't like he was 140, like I know some of you have dogs that are, are massive, but I'm carrying him, not on my shoulder, that, that would probably hurt, but I'm carrying this dog for like days, and something happened with, with the medication, so we had to go back in and check, and, and I think this time, Kelsey was probably there for interpretation, and so I, I asked this question, you know, how, how long do I have to keep carrying him up? Do you know where I'm going with this? Oh, man, if I could go back in time. So I asked, like, how long do I have to keep carrying the dog up, up three flights of stairs? And they're like, only the first day. And I was like, you're telling me that I almost had to have surgery for a hernia because I'm carrying this, this dog. I love him. But he's, he gets heavier the long, you know what I mean? You, you carry someone. But, but this story, it's not the same. I get that the sheep we're talking about probably weighed a little bit more than that, if not a lot, if not twice as much or more. But this shepherd, he's carrying the sheep back on his shoulder. Did he have to do that? No, maybe not. But Jesus is trying to communicate something, isn't he? He's trying to teach us a little bit. And he himself is a good shepherd. But it's still, it's, it's implying the father's heart and the, the son and the father are, are one, aren't they? And so then the next one with the, the coin, a lot of people think, you know, what, what, what's going on here when it, when it comes to the woman lighting a lamp 
and, and then sweeping the entire house, searching carefully? Is it a little bit like the Holy Spirit illuminating things, making things known? Is it a little bit like the son who's willing to go after the one? Is it like the shepherd, you know? And then the point of these two stories is that in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and returns to God over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And so it, it's, it's something that is urgent to the Father if someone strayed away to go after that, that person. So the first one, it's the shepherd. He's doing his job. And the second one, it's the woman. These coins, some might, might say that, uh, that this is a, a, a married woman and a, and a wedding gift was these 10 coins, each worth about a day's wage. And so there would have been not just financial value of, of that one thing. Remember last week I was saying, you know, if you had labored for this and you had some sort of a check and it just blew away, wouldn't you go after it because you worked really hard for it? This might not be that. It might actually be that she had sentimental attachment and thought, well, this is in case of emergency. I, I need this. And she's willing to celebrate. She actually calls her friends and neighbors to celebrate. I found that lost coin. And in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels. That's kind of his servants. When even one sinner repents. And so that's the context. So when he gets to this story about the man who had two sons, he's, he's kind of, hopefully by this point, they, they get what, what he's trying to communicate. And if not, it's going to come home. And last week, we ended before hearing about the elder or older brother. But, but today, we're going to hear a little bit more. Even though most of the context is for next week, it's valuable to hear the interaction of the father. And so are you ready to read this? We're starting at verse 11. This will be on the screen. It'll be in front of you online as well. So Jesus, to illustrate the point further, he told them this story. A man had two sons. Not just one. He had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began and that's where we ended last week, but it continues. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. 
When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. Now, if you can hear dancing, it's loud, right? Some of you top dancers out there, yeah. Heavy foot. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me one young goat to feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Man, it's, it's powerful and, I, and I'm excited for next week too because I, I think we need to come open for, for something that maybe we've skipped a lot of times in looking at that section. Today, it's not about the older brother as much as it's about the father, but there's so much in there. Yeah, there's so much there. So as, as we look back through, what did the father do? Well, the father agreed. It was surprising to the listeners. To us, remember, we've probably heard this before. It's quite a, a popular, even if you don't know verse by verse, you've probably heard it even in pop culture. Oh, the prodigal has returned. It's, it's something that's come up. It's snuck into culture over the years. Uh, but this would have been surprising. So if we can put ourselves in, in their sandals for a moment, it would have been shocking that the son asked the question, and then it would have been shocking that the father agreed to divide his wealth. And we see that it would have taken a few days probably for that. Maybe he had to sell a portion or make an agreement with someone locally, or maybe even further away. And so a few days later is when the younger son actually packed up everything of, of his, right? It's really probably the father's, but in this case, he made it his own. He's going with it. And then later in, in verse 17, it's kind of implied that the father takes care of his hired servants. That's a huge point of last week is that when the son, when the younger son comes to his senses, he realizes that even his father's hired servants had enough food to, to care, which should show not just as a father, but just as a man that he's respectable. He at least makes sure not that, that they have the bare minimum, but there's, there's more. And so the idea is that it's not a huge leap for us to go from there's food to spare and there's grace to spare because of the actions of the father. And so in verse 20, I love how his father saw him coming. And so it's kind of implying where in the, in the first two stories, the short parables, you know, the shepherd goes looking, the shepherd goes after the sheep. The sheep can't come to its senses and come back. The coin can't alert you. Maybe now if you put like an air tag or something on it and it's like, find my, right? Uh, maybe. But, uh, but in this case, no, a, a woman had to go. She had to sweep. She had to look. She had to search diligently. But here it's odd that, and there's a point for next week, and I'll, I'll share it now, is that perhaps what Jesus is trying to get across is that it wasn't the father's role to be the one to physically go to his son. He partially needed the son to come to his senses, but what if it was the older brother's role to go after his younger brother? 
That's one, that's, that'll preach, and that's next week, so I'll save it. But the father saw him coming while he was a long way off. The father was filled with love and compassion. This is a theme of the Old Testament, which we're going to read just a little bit later um, before closing. And he ran to his son. This also, to us, might seem like, of course he did, like in the movies and stuff. No, like a man of his stature in his culture would not have ran. And if he was wearing a robe, can you imagine him, like, you know, running down the road, like trying to make sure he doesn't trip over, over everything? And not just that, but he kissed him. It wasn't just a welcome, but this is his son. And then in verses 22 and 23, we see how the the father put the servants to work. And and they're joining in the celebration here. And he's he's not just making them work, but he's actually telling them, no, we are going, going to celebrate. So first, what is it? It's the finest robe, which we already mentioned is probably the father's own. That's the best in the house. So he covers him up. He goes from being kind of ragged and, and whatever he might have been wearing with the pigs and, and smelling pretty awful. He probably smelled them coming, is what we said last week, to then he's wearing his father's robe, the finest in the house. He puts a ring. They put a ring on his finger. This represents the family, probably the family signet. It's odd to us now because sometimes we have rings for jewelry and sometimes to represent marriage or something like that, some sort of promise. This would have been more about the family. And then sandals. We really think many people say he would have come home barefoot. And so he, he was at the, the lowest place and, and, you know, not only is he ragged and he stinks, but he's also barefoot. And so sandals are, are kind of twofold there that it elevates him just that much to get him off of, of, of kind of this lowly status. It raises him in status. It, it also helps his feet, but it's also representative of, of the father's wealth. And so even though the father divided, he still has some and, and some despair, apparently. So I don't understand everything about that yet. That might take me a lifetime. But, but the point of the sandals is going to come back, too. And then finally, he sends them uh, to get cooking. They have to kill the fattened calf to prepare for a feast. And so they're, they're working, uh, but, but remember, they have food to spare, and they're, they're getting to join in this, this return of the, of the son. And so in verse 24, when he says the reason, when, when we're really thinking about the reason to celebrate with a feast, this is how the father puts it. For this son of mine, not this hired servant, not this squanderer, it's valuable to hear how Jesus wants the listeners to hear it. For this son of mine was dead. He was still a son. He was dead and now he has returned to life. He was lost. Who was lost? The son was lost. But now he is found. But remember verse 27, a little later, the servant said to the older brother, your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating your brother's safe return. This isn't received the same way for the older brother. I know more next week, but the older brother says, uh, he uses this word devoured. Uh, I'm reading from, and we're reading today from the New Living Translation, but often I'll, I'll consult other translations just to see the different wording, and sometimes something pops out. In this case, it does. Uh, in verse 30, the word that the older brother uses, he basically says, this son of yours, notice he doesn't say my brother, Ah, oh, my brother who I'm fond of. No, this son of yours. So he's, he's kind of changing. It's, yes, it's the father's son, but it's not my brother. That's kind of, you know, am I my brother's keeper? It's kind of that question. But what does he say? This son of yours devoured your property. And now what he's implying is now you're going to let him devour the fattened calf. Where's my young goat for my friends? 
this son of yours, he wasted, the, that word devoured is really wasted, and now you're going to let him and everyone else celebrate by devouring. Do you see that, that context? And so he's full of anger, and we're going to look more into that next week. But I love the father's response as we just read a few moments ago. Everything I have is yours. And what many would say about this is that this is so true of the older brother. Maybe he should have been more angry about this part. So that word prodigal is really that, that you know, it's been reckless. It's, it's, things have been wasted and, and, and squandered. And, and so maybe in the Keller point of view, Timothy Keller talks about maybe it's God that's the prodigal because he was willing to waste extravagantly to get us back. And so the, the point here is that, remember, the father divided his estate, all his wealth among his sons. And so the oldest one, there's two sons. The oldest one would have got two-thirds of everything. And so everything left would, would go to this older son, and the younger one got a third and then wasted it. And so does he get any more? That's, that's debatable. But here what he's trying to say is like, no, even what you have was worth getting your brother back. That's kind of the point. And so to finish up the whole chapter, remember chapter 15, it's a good one to read and maybe reread and then read another time too. It's, it's all about this context. The final verse is, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. Not just my son, but your brother. So remember the older son, he says, your son, this son of yours and now the father's saying, yeah, I've already communicated. He is my son, and you've communicated. I'm communicating. It's your brother, and we had to celebrate. I just love that. This son of mine, was he still his father's son even though he thought of himself as a hired servant? Well, he, he was, but it shows us how we need to, to get our thinking right as well because how often do we uh, come uh, with that kind of point of view. So the beginning of, of chapter 15 is that, you know, the point is, and, and the kind of the tension there among the people is that he receives sinners and even eats with them. And then by the end of the chapter, it's that he restores sons and daughters to feast with them. And so it's not just that he receives them uh, at the beginning. They think like it, it, everything's just swept under the rug and, and so he's, he's implying sin's okay. That's not it. But he, he needs us to be cleaned up, but we don't have to be cleaned up to come home. But then he restores our status, and then we feast together. I love what Ken Hur said, is that God the Father is represented in the Father who grants freedom, waits, welcomes, forgives, enriches, and celebrates the return of his lost children. It's so good. I want to talk just a moment uh, in our last several minutes about being adopted into his family. And so for us, the story might sound a little bit different. We might not start out with that status, but we can gain it in a very similar way. In Ephesians 1.5, Paul says that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And so it's a good reminder of us uh, that, that it was something that he wanted to do. He doesn't reluctantly do this for us. 
And so, um, Harry, I think we'll skip this next portion uh, of Scripture uh, for now, but, but the, the big thing that I wanted us to realize, I, I had to study a little bit back when I was in college, and, and we're, we're called Wesleyans because John Wesley, um, you know, is an influence on our, our, our history, really. And, and John Wesley, he had this statement where, I had even then the faith of a servant, though not that of a son. And so he grew up in a home where he, he would have known about the Bible. He would have known about the Father. He would have known, but just simply being around it and even, even for, for him being a minister wasn't enough to realize that he was a son. And so when he says this, remember this is like the 1700s, and he said, I had even then the faith of a servant. And so it's kind of that status thing where the younger son, you know, he, he is a son, but he, he kind of felt like a hired servant and he thought, if I could just be that, things would be good. And if I could pay my father back. And so the, the whole point of, of this kind of short quote from John Wesley is that he felt himself a servant and not a son. But we are not meant to be simply servants or, or, or slaves. It's okay to have a humble view of ourselves. But if God says to us that we're, we're meant to be sons and daughters, we're meant to be children of his, then we can't think ourselves any less. That's the point. But we have to remember this, that the blessing comes from God, and it's through Jesus. It's actually his promise, and it's not our performance, but it's Christ's performance. It's not our own, and so it's only because of Jesus Christ. He's the one. He's the true older brother. Really, spoiler alert to next week. He's the one. So the, the, the older brother in this really paints the negative picture, and Christ paints the positive. But so for us to, to go into all the world and make disciples, it's, it's to, to be the older brother as Jesus would be to go and, and rescue and bring them back. But the point that I really wanted to get across is you've probably heard um, it used the, the kind of Aramaic language where, where Jesus cries out, Abba, Father, to his own father. But later, Paul kind of elevates that for other believers to say, no, you can actually now call him this too. Because if you receive Jesus, if you receive him as who he is and, and what he's done for you, then, then not only can you become a child of God, but you can actually utter those same words. You can, it's essentially like saying Papa. So the same way that when I was a little kid uh, at my grandparents' home and when my grandfather, before he retired, I was waiting probably close to five o'clock for him to get home. I'd be like, Papa, 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 like Papa's coming home, like we're going to eat. So it wasn't just about the, it was a little bit about the food, but, uh, but it was about Papa being in his presence. And so to think about, we're not just saying, God, you know, I'm not worthy to approach you, but we're able to call him Daddy. That is very hard for, for someone in, in the first, not the first group of people in chapter 15, but maybe the second group to think, you're allowing these people to, to call you daddy? Like it, it seems like such a strange thing. But the whole point of this, and I'll invite uh, the trio to, to get ready here, is, is that God's purpose here, the Father's heart, is to redeem and to adopt not just to save us from slavery or, or to make us not a hired servant, but to actually to make us sons and daughters. He's, he's, he's not just to, to wipe away sins. It's not enough just to say, well, what did Jesus come to do? Well, he came to save us from our sins. That's half of it. The other half is to make us sons and daughters of the Father. And so this is, this is the point. I'd like to read a, a passage that won't be on the screen from, from Psalm 103. And I was mentioning earlier, 
as we were thinking of this father who is filled with compassion and love. Psalm 103, he's talking about how he revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. This is 103, verse 7, if you wanted to read along in your own scripture. So God revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. And I love this verse. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. And so throughout the Old Testament, this is part of his character that he's trying to show. So that when Jesus comes, you know, praise the Lord that he came at just the right time and he, and he showed himself to be full of, of love and, and, and compassion and, and mercy and grace. But it's not new, it's just that he's coming in a new way to fulfill a promise. But God's character was actually that way throughout, and that's how he revealed himself. A little bit later, this, this famous verse where he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And then the final verse that I wanted to share, the one right after that, is that the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And so it shouldn't have been a brand new concept for them to say, you mean we can come to the one who created everything as father? We can, and you should know that today, even if you're like, of course I've memorized our father who art in heaven. Yeah, but actually come to him like that. Actually spend time in his presence as though he is your father because he is. But if you haven't come back home yet, you could at any point. You don't have to clean up to come back home. But there is a dress code. Jesus, his performance on the cross provides what we need. If we are willing to repent, to turn, to change our mind, to come to our senses, not just turn from the sins, but turn towards our heavenly father. Jesus is the access back to the father. That's the whole point. And so as we're finishing up here now, we're, we're about to, uh, to sing this final song about something new that happens with us. But I, I would love to do this as, in, instead of a prayer of, of just my words, I would love to use our father, the we call the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'd like to read it once for you to hear the context. And, and then as we bow our heads, like be praying in your own words, even under your breath or, or even in, in your heart and mind, um, to pray to the Father and, and to just take some time in his presence in our last few moments of the service. So Jesus said to pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have been forgiven, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So now when I say it this one last time, this is our, our prayer before we sing together. And so let's treat this as a prayerful moment. It's very short, but if you would bow your heads with me online and in the room, and I just want to slowly go through this, and, and, and we'll pray to our Father, our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. 
and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Thank you that we can call you Father.